Welcome back to another episode of our show. As the year comes to an end, today's episodes will be a look back at this year in sports. We'll give you a run through of some notable events and discuss the event that's been grabbing the attention of many sports enthusiasts alike, the Olympic boycott. Let's get right into it. This year, the Summer Olympics were held in Montreal, Canada. The country with the most medals was the USSR, coming out with 125 total medals, 49 of those being gold medals. What makes this Olympics so notable was the boycott of 29 countries, which we'll talk about shortly later in this episode. Let's move on to baseball. Sparky Lyle of the New York Yankees breaks Hoyt Willems' American League record of 154 career saves. On April 25th, Chicago Cubs outfielder Rick Monday rescues an American flag just as two protesters are about to burn it in the outfield during a game at Dodger Stadium. Can you believe that? The Cincinnati Reds, also known as the Big Red Machine, sweep the New York Yankees four games to zero to win their second straight championship. For all you basketball enthusiasts, we've got some news for you. The ABA, or American Basketball Association, merged with the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Of the seven remaining teams in the ABA, the Virginia Squires folded, the Kentucky Colonels and the Spirits of St. Louis were bought out, and the remaining four teams, the San Antonio Spurs, the Denver Nuggets, the New York Nets, and the Indiana Pacers, all joined the NBA. The Boston Celtics won 4-2 games over the Phoenix Sun to win the NBA Finals, and the New York Nets beat the Denver Nuggets 4-2 as well to win the ABA Finals. Don't worry, rest assured, we haven't forgotten about football. The Pittsburgh Steelers won 21-17 over the Dallas Cowboys in the 10th annual Super Bowl. 10th, can you believe that? We've come a long way. In other news, Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were founded. That pretty much sums up this year in sports. Moving on to the topic of today's episode, we want to discuss the massive boycott of this year's Olympics that were just held in Montreal. Although very few professional athletes openly express their political opinions, let alone advocate for them, the Olympic Games has stood as an environment where various levels of political protest emerge, the Olympics being one of the few global events which consistently attracts extensive worldly attention. However, in terms of race and gender politics, the Olympic Games generally reflect larger trends within society. Women, for instance, were not allowed to compete in Olympic competitions until 1900, making this last Olympic Games the 76th anniversary of women being allowed to compete. And you know what, Zach? That's a pretty great thing to be able to say. But you can't forget that race politics have also characterized Olympic competition. The successes of Olympian Jesse Owens in the face of Adolf Hitler in 1936, and the activism displayed by the 200-meter sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos, during the 1968 Games in Mexico City are remembered as monumental moments in American and world history. African Americans, like women of all ethnicities, 
were barred from early Olympic competition. However, African Americans, as well as international athletes of African ancestry, are now overrepresented in some, but certainly not all, sports, particularly track and field. That's true. Given the global attention that each Olympic Games receives, scrutiny of them is essential. Although popular culture doesn't dictate public or individual attitudes and behaviors, it undeniably has an impact on our individual and collective sensibilities. The emphasis on the evils of apartheid was a relevant and important, yet missing, part of Montreal's role as host of the last Olympic Games. You bring up a really good point. Nonetheless, the Olympics are broadcast around the world through mass media, and athletes' representations are mediated by social forces that are sometimes beyond their control. It is critical that media executives, producers, and commentators understand and care about the negative social consequences of athletes and other celebrity figures' involvement in obtaining justice and equity for the wrongdoings of apartheid. This year, 29 African countries announced their boycott of the Summer Games in Montreal just days before the opening ceremony. The boycotters claimed that they refused to compete alongside New Zealand, whose national rugby team had embarked on quite a contentious tour of apartheid South Africa that summer, defying an informal but, I would say, widely observed international athletics embargo on the country. Yep. During the infamous Soweto riots last June, South Africa's government massacred over 350 anti-apartheid protesters. The boycott's message was pretty clear. Simply excluding South Africa from the Olympics was insufficient. The country was barred from playing starting in 1964 and outright expelled from the International Olympic Committee in 1970. The boycotters thought it was unacceptable for any country or international sporting organization to legitimize the South African government in any way, as New Zealand's rugby team had done, and as the International Olympic Committee was doing, by refusing to exclude New Zealand from the Games. The boycott had a significant impact on the Olympics, which will most likely be remembered for the United States' near sweep in boxing and Romanian gymnast Nadia Comaneci's perfect tens. According to the BBC, one million Canadian dollars in seat and hotel reservations had to be refunded as a result of the boycott during the first two days of the Games alone. A number of events were also hindered. The track meet was affected by the absence of perennial powerhouses such as Tanzania and Kenya. So apparently, no one in the Cameroon delegation thought to inform the country's cycling team, which competed anyway. I guess it was one of those days. Nobody knew whether or not their opponent would appear. Cameroon's four cyclists laboriously pedaled around the track in the 100-kilometer time trial just as team officials announced their country's withdrawal from the Games. Competitors in the boxing ring donned gloves and stepped into the ring to be crowned champions without throwing even a single punch. Due to the withdrawals of Nigeria and Zambia, ticket holders at two soccer stadiums were given their money back. As a direct result of the Montreal boycott, this shift marked a profound change in the power dynamic of one of the world's major multi-state organizations 
as well as a challenge to the prevailing cultural system of imperial dominance. It's difficult not to see this as part of the reason for the dominant narratives and marginalization of the boycott. It's an event with a lot to say about how we remember the Olympics, our history, and what we need to think about when trying to make sense of relationships within and between sports, among other things. To sum it up, it is deserving of more attention. That's all we have time for today, but make sure to tune into next week's episode where we discuss some documents sent to us by an anonymous source proving that Richard Nixon was in fact innocent.